are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, the final Pat's Pulpit Podcast of the regular season. Luckily, unlike last year, still one game to go as the Patriots are in the playoffs. I am Alex Shane, here with you, breaking down Pat's Dolphins, the Redux, with my good buddy Rich Hill. Rich Hill, tell me if you've heard this before. (laughs) The New England Patriots travel down to Miami, play at Sun Life, Hard Life, Hard Rock, whatever their name the stadium is at this particular point in time. Crap the bed, lose one they probably should have won. Ever heard of that before? Ah, wait. In this scenario, is there something important on the line here? Because that would definitely be familiar if they went down to Miami and lost with something important on the line. Well, yeah. I mean, the Patriots could have... Luckily, I guess luckily for the Patriots, in retrospect, uh, the Bills beat the Jets. So it didn't really matter as much as it could have. But had the Bills somehow lost to the Jets, they almost did. It wasn't like a, a blowout until late. The Jets were in it for a long time. But had the Bills lost to the Jets and the Patriots still put up the performance they put up against the Dolphins, that would have hurt a lot more. Not the biggest deal in the world. The Patriots have lost a lot more losing to Miami in years past. But it just seems that all Patriots fans, the we're going to have to just pencil. I'm not sorry, pen. We're going to in ink a lot at Miami. <laughs> For the foreseeable future, and maybe once every four years or so, they'll sneak one out down there. But what the hell is it about South Florida and the Patriots that doesn't go well together? Honestly, I have no idea. I mean, first off, uh, we have to acknowledge that head coach Brian Flores uh, no longer is head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And I do honestly think that while that in and of itself is not the cause of the Patriots' issues against the Dolphins, it is fair to say that he didn't help. Uh, Flores finished his three-year tenure with the Dolphins with a 4-2 and two record against Bill Belichick, uh, which is outstanding, especially when you think of the fact that when he took over the team three years ago in 2019, they had literally zero talent. They had they, they were projected to go 0-16 at that point in time. That is how bad they were. And so for the fact that Brian Flores was able to coach his team to be this successful against New England, huge testament to him. And honestly, uh, the way that this game played out was exactly what you would expect of someone who has inside information on the Patriots on how to beat them. And so perhaps when they have a new head coach in in tow, uh, the Dolphins won't have the same degree of power over the Patriots. But man, something wacky always happens. Seriously, man. Two quick questions for you while we're talking about Brian Flores. He beat Belichick past three times, as you mentioned, four and two against him career, about a 500 record as a head coach, I think 23 and 24, 24 and 25, something around there. Team, the players seem to love him. They're trending in the right direction. So my two questions are, A, why the hell did they fire him? And B, any chance he might come back to New England, kind of a la Josh McDaniel slash Mass Patricia? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that Flores should and will get other opportunities to be a head coach elsewhere. I think he immediately became one of the the top targets uh, once the Dolphins let him go, uh, which is kind of weird for them. Uh, Flores has led them to -to back-to-back winning seasons, which is something the Dolphins haven't done since, I believe, 03-04. So it's been a long time since they've seen this degree of success. They've outperformed the quality of talent on their roster in every single point. And the only reason he got fired is due to like palace intrigue sort of a thing the owner and the general manager did not like him 
Uh, you know, they, they just were clearly fractured. And as a result, Flores lost. Every single player was shocked. Uh, and, and a lot of them were unhappy <laughs> with the what happens. I mean, because Flores is someone that all of the players love. He had great schemes. And honestly, all of the deficiencies that he had uh, uh, came to basically finding the right offensive coach uh, for the pieces on offense, which in my mind isn't necessarily his fault because he was given just garbage uh, on that offensive line. Sure, they have talent. I think Jasecki is a very talented tight end. They have really good wide receivers and Waddle and Parker. I think Gaskin can be a fun running back. But if you put them behind the worst offensive line in the league, which they have had for three years in a row, you're not going to get anything done whatsoever. And that is entirely on the GM. And so if 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 Flores is able to pair himself with a good general manager, and I really think that Monty Austin for it from the Tennessee Titans, former Patriots front office guy, I think would be a really good pairing with him. I think that uh, whichever team gets Flores will be very happy if they can actually get talent at the offensive line and he can get the quarterback that he actually wanted because, because uh, Flores wanted Justin Herbert over Tua and he just never was able to, he just thought Tua was relatively limited as a quarterback and we've kind of seen that and Herbert has become an all pro. So I, I think Flores has a better eye for talent than the general manager and it was just a lot of friction uh, and so he's going to make some other team pretty happy. He's actually set to interview with Chicago already. They're already lining the interviews with him. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think he will be a, a head coach somewhere else. Uh, to that end, Rich, you mentioned how if he got a good offensive line and the quarterback he wanted, he could really make some noise as a head coach elsewhere, which implies that Miami's offensive line is terrible. And yet still, the Dolphins ran for 195 yards against the Patriots, yeah. also a broken record repetition by me. The Patriots couldn't really stop the run. We'll talk about the defense in a little bit. So, actually, it ultimately isn't on them. Uh, the Patriots were down 14 nothing literally before I finished my first beer of the day, and that was kind of it. A long, like almost an eight-minute drive. Tua went seven for seven. The Patriots are really good or really bad, depending on how you look at it, on just stinking for the first offensive drive of their opponent and then kind of figuring them out and tightening up. And then Mac went, what, three plays, pick six, and that was kind of it. This offense clearly cannot play from behind. They're notoriously slow to start. I still think they can hang with any team in the NFL, but they are as Jekyll and Hyde as Jekyll and Hyde can get. And I'll be very interested to see how they bounce back from this going to the playoffs against the Bills because they have to start fast. They can't do this themselves. Mac Jones is still a rookie. He's not bent to just have the game on his shoulder the entire time. They're not built that way. And it really showed on Sunday. Oh, totally. Absolutely. This is not a team that can mount that type of a comeback because they don't have those home run threats. Uh, and I think that's been the issue. I think Kendrick Bourne has been their most reliable home run threat as a receiver. And even then they only gave him four targets on the day. And so they were never able to really get into that rhythm where they could stress this Dolphins defense that also, by the way, boasts a pair of all pro cornerbacks. So that is not a team that you're really going to get home run passes against. You need to lead long grinding drives and they just weren't willing to commit to the run. I, I think that was one of the issues. Obviously Damien Harris suffered another, uh, injury wasn't able to play Stevenson had a head injury so like he was missing for like the latter part of the first half but he returned after halftime so this was a team that like when they were willing to run the ball they were fine they just 
decided they wanted to pass it. I mean, that pick six came on a third and one, I think, where they were throwing to Jacoby Myers, which makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. When you talk about like the, whatever the weirdness is down in Miami, it always seems to be the Patriots overthinking a lot of things. Because, like, yes, uh, Brian Flores did a great job with the Dolphins, but they had four successful drives. They had three three and outs, uh, and I, I think you, you see that they opened up the game you know, first two drives of the first half, first two drives of the second half, they got a touchdown and then a field goal and then nothing. And then they got a touchdown, a field goal, and then nothing. Um, but you look at the types of drives that they had. They had to do a 13 play, a 15 play, uh, an 8 play, and a 10 play on those drives that led to points for them. And that is exactly what the Patriots want opposing teams to have to do. And the Dolphins were able to execute on that. And Brian Flores knows that's what Patriots want opposing teams to do, is kind of like fall behind on third down, have to convert two or three on, on a given drive. And if they score, then so be it. You've earned it. Uh, and the way you beat that type of defensive play is by taking what's given. And so there was a lot of really easy running of the balls. There's really like low passes uh, in the sense of like just no risk whatsoever. Jalen Waddle had 27 yards on seven targets, which is just ridiculously low. Miles Gaskin, 11 yards on three catches. Like these are, I know he's the running back, so they don't get a lot anyways, but like effectively the Dolphins were getting four, five, six yards through the air, which is very low, but it's what you need to do in order to move the chains. Tua was able to execute on that strategy, and they were able to put points on the board. And honestly, once, uh, like, I mean, Brian Dable leads the Bills offense. That's what they were able to do last time they played the Patriots, where New England wasn't able to stop them. And if that is what happens again, where you have the opposing team being like, we'll just take what you give us, the Patriots postseason is going to be very short. That it is. And again, it's, it's week 18. The season's over. It is what it is at this point. It's not like New England's going to magically step it up and, and be great. And again, the really frustrating thing is, Rich, that the Patriots, they, they, they can do it. We've seen it multiple times. They are, they're very capable of putting up a complete game from coming out swinging, from hanging with anybody, from taking it down to the wire. They have been right in there with the best teams in the league on both sides of the conference. And... They just can't remain and retain that consistency that we've noticed from them all year long or in years past, excuse me. And what's really frustrating is they always seem to kind of wake up just too late, right? <laughs> they had a 14-point fourth quarter. They brought it down to a three-point game. Well, they had two-minute warning and all three timeouts left. And it was third and seven, third and eight, and Dolphins converted. And that was kind of the end of it. You can go back to week one, the goal line fumble. It was third and short. Dolphins converted. Uh, the Colts game, it was third and seven, third and six. Touchdown run. They just don't have the teeth to close games out or put the offense in position to win it. And it's frustrating, but I guess when you have 20 years of Brady needing a drive, getting a drive, the defense getting a stop, and Brady coming back and winning, it becomes kind of expected. It's easy to forget that other teams are paid to make plays as well. And even though... It's a little frustrating, and the Patriots are uh, the sixth seed, not the five seed, and blah, blah, blah. I still think net positive, looking back on the season as a whole, they hit the ceiling. I think we all thought 10-7 and seven in a wild card berth would be an amazing finish, a mm -hmm. great start to Mac Jones' career. And lo and behold, Rich, they are 10-7, and seven, and they're in a wild card berth. So it's Miami. I'm going to take it for what it is. And call me crazy here, buddy, but I'm looking at the playoff picture and the playoff brackets, and – I don't think the six seed is that bad compared to the five. <laughs> I really don't. I think if I had to pick 
six seed or five seed, depending on like the road to the playoffs. Anything can happen, obviously. But I think I'd rather play the Bills and then go to Tennessee than play the Bengals and go to Kansas City. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think of the teams that I think could take down the Chiefs, the Bengals are one of them. Uh, And I I think that the Patriots would much rather play any team other than the Chiefs in the playoffs. This is not a game where the Patriots can, uh, you know, go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. And I think Joe Burrow has outplayed Mahomes this year. But uh, he's never been on this level of NFL postseason stage where Mahomes has gone to back to back Super Bowls. So I, I would say you would pray for the inexperienced uh, opponent on that side. And yeah, absolutely. The Titans are absolutely who you'd want to face in the second round. They are the weakest number one seed in a very long time. Um, and so the way that the bracket fell out, you know they can beat the Bills. You know they can beat the the Titans if things go their way. And uh, that's been the issue over the past, you know, three of the past four weeks coming out of the bye is that the Patriots haven't done things their way. They have seven turnovers in those three losses uh, against the Dolphins, Bills, and Colts. And that is not winning football. The That has been, in my mind, the only difference than what the Patriots had been doing in their, their winning streak is they were protecting the football. During that winning streak, they did an outstanding job of either protecting the football or forcing turnovers, and they just have not been able to win the turnover battle in the past four weeks, uh, And you know, even other than against the Jaguars, which is like, come on, you, you don't get credit for that. Um, but I, I think that uh, when it comes to playing winning football in the postseason, they have the path. They have the path to have a successful postseason run. They just need to execute in a way that they have not done uh, coming out of the bye week. And for me, that is why I am most concerned. Yeah, I mean, thinking about the Patriots pre and post bye week, they've lost three of their last four. They looked good against the Jaguars. But again, how much can you take away from the Jaguars game? 50 points is 50 points. And that's just the way it is. If they'd beaten the Jaguars like 20 to 10 or something like that, maybe there would be a little more concern. So they again, like they are capable. And it is. You're right, man. You you can always – almost every loss, with the exception of maybe the Saints game. I feel like the Saints game was just kind of like an anomaly, and the Saints were just better all around, and the Pats were never quite in it. But every other loss, every other of the six losses this season, you can point to like one or two plays that could have gone the other way, and the Patriots you know, are, are – they're not going to go 16-1 uh, or 17-1, whatever it is, but – Devin McCourty dropped an easy gimme pick. That never happens. You had that fumble on the exchange when D- David Andrews had an equipment, like he's like his helmet wasn't fitting right or he's tying his shoe, so they had to move the center over, and that was a fumble. It- it's just the- these little plays happen, and I will say, you know, the football gods have-, have smiled on the Patriots in years past where the crazy bounces and the pick sixes and the weird penalties go their way. So maybe this is karma kind of balancing things out where the Patriots aren't getting those bounces <laughs> their way. Um, but while I'm on this little stupid mini rant, uh, you have to also think about, once again, I think I talked about it in our last Tuesday podcast, a massive liability for this team for some weird reason in 2021 is the special teams unit. Yep. There were two penalties. One was absolute garbage. Terrible. That, that Bolden penalty. There was no contact whatsoever. That should not have happened. But still, there were two penalties that changed a fourth down and a punt to a first down and points, or or I think. I think they, the Dolphins got points on both of those drives. Lawrence Guy, that was a ridiculous mental error. You can't line up like that. He's a veteran. He knows better. It's just very strange that the strongest unit consistently on the Bill Belichick coach team is now a real liability, and you get to the point where they're punting, and you're like, oh, crap, are they going to find a way to extend the drive? Are they going to go nowhere on the punt? Are they going to fumble? It's just a very weird feeling as a Patriots fan. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, it's one of those things that used to be so reliable, and that's where all the hidden yardages are, right? Like when you talk about uh, the value of a punt return, that saves you 10 yards on uh, on another drive that you would have to do. That's huge. That's really huge. And for the Patriots to, A, not have any explosive plays in the return game uh, has caused them, like, not to have some of those positive things that we're used to seeing in the past. But then, yes, all of those errors, giving them a reattempt at a field goal, uh, or, you know, uh, they punted it, and but Lawrence Guy was lined up over the center, the long snapper, so they got a free first down. Like, what? What is happening? That doesn't happen. Uh, just, like, super sloppy play. You add in the fact that they've had three blocked punts over the course of the year. Uh, I believe they're bottom, like, three and extra point uh, conversion rate and like this is not a good special teams year for the Patriots as it relates to expected points. Nick Folk, great on field goals, hasn't missed one within 50 yards. I totally just jinxed him. I truly apologize to everyone. Um, but Jake Bailey not playing at his All Pro level. Gunnar Olszewski hasn't been given the opportunity to play at that All Pro level. This is a team that is missing all of those little yardage, those little things that push them over the edge. And I'm hoping that they can find it, but there's zero expectation that they're going to be able to do that this year. Again, there is zero expectation, and it's tough. You mentioned the field position game. You know, if you're a rookie quarterback and you're designed on on runs, high percentage throws, moving down the field the way the Patriots are. That's much easier to do from your own, say, 35 than your own 15. It really, really adds up. Rookie quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, I I don't necessarily buy into the whole rookie wall thing. He's playing for the first time in January. I understand that. But I still like some of the throws Mac Jones has made. The pick six was pretty atrocious. But, again, bad decisions are going to happen. He had an absolute dime to Hunter Henry. Hit Jacoby Myers on on a beautiful, like, shoulder pass. Like, you're seeing a lot of really good things still. And the future remains bright. But you are asking this kid to do a lot. And he's delivered sometimes, and he's made expected mistakes sometimes. And it really is all three phases. And this Patriots team, there were teams in the past, Rich, where, like 2011, where the defense was atrocious. But the offense was so good, the special teams are good, those two phases could make up for that lack of the defense. Um, in 2001 or 2004, the early Patriots dynasty, the defense was really solid, the offense was efficient, and the special teams was great with Vinatieri. So they could they could carry the offense a bit. This year, you really, really need all three units to be playing their best football. And when they do that, they're great. But if just one of those is a little out of whack, you see what you saw on Sunday. And it's tough because asking a team to play perfect football for the next month or so is a pretty tall order. Totally, totally. And I mean, honestly, some of the things that they miss uh, are are, – just kind of the simple things that Belichick always puts emphasis on. And like, there is just a talent gap. I think that's fair to acknowledge. I think it's fine to say, uh, Bill Belichick led defenses are, you know, his bread and butter. Like you said that they can always count on those. Um, but where they've really struggled over the past five years has been in that run defense. As you mentioned, it would be nice to not allow the Dolphins to run for almost 200 yards on them. When you know when they have a lead, they're going to run the ball. When you know that the Colts are going to run, that you need to stop Jonathan Taylor, and they haven't been able to do that. Belichick's defenses have ranked 20th or lower in yards per carry allowed uh, in his entire career. His 36 years as a coordinator or head coach, he's ranked 20 or lower 13 times. Four of those have been in the past five years. So this is a team, uh, dare I say it, that misses Vince Wilfork. Uh, as sweet as that is, they miss Vince Wilfork. Uh, and also, you know, Alan Branch was, was great for that two-year gap. But I think since that point, they haven't had that giant space eater on the inside that they can really count on. Uh, and that is something that, like, until they address that, 
teams will be able to get yards on the ground at will against this team and uh if the patriots fall behind against the bills even just like a score or so with josh allen's mobility it can cause a lot of problems for the patriots in the playoffs it can i'm glad you mentioned will fork and or allen branch because it looks like we'll know more on our thursday podcast but it looks like the patriots dodged a pretty huge bullet in christian barmore MRIs came back negative, nothing seriously or structurally there, so there's a chance he could be good to go for the Bills game. They're going to need him. Huge relief in that respect. I'm glad to hear he's okay, not just for the season, but for seasons beyond. Sometimes people never recover from knee injuries, so glad to see he's okay. We're going to need a big day from the defensive line, especially the edge guys, the contained guys. The Patriots were unable to bring Josh Allen down when the Bills played. I think Allen may have played his best game of the season against the Patriots, honestly. So he's capable of bringing it. It'll be in Buffalo. Good news is, Rich, all signs point to it being another snowy, windy day on Saturday night when the Patriots go to Buffalo to play the Bills. So maybe we'll see another three-pass day from Mac Jones. I highly doubt <laughs> it. Um, they seem to play twice in the season. They're one and one. The Patriots kind of snuck one away in a, in a weird game, and the Bills just kind of pretty easily handled the Patriots, honestly, the last time they played in Gillette. Uh, I know we're closing out. We're going to have more in our, our Thursday preview, but some initial early thoughts on this Patriots-Bills wildcard matchup from you. Yeah, I mean, I, we know what we said earlier, that the Patriots are capable of beating the Bills if they're able to execute their game plan. And part of that game plan is, can you protect the football? This is a Bills team that is one of the best at taking the ball away all year, uh, and the Patriots just simply can't afford to do it. Uh, they are the number one defense in the entire league. They cannot afford to fall behind because they're not clawing their way back against this team despite them not having Tredavious White. What they need is for Mac Jones to play many years beyond his ability, be consistent protect the football and for the defense to not allow Josh Allen to beat them with his legs as he did in the past obviously last game Isaiah McKenzie had the game of his life against the Patriots and New England will hopefully have uh you know D'Angelo Ross played very well in week 17 he has more speed than Miles Bryant perhaps that gives the Patriots a little bit of an advantage there um, but also uh hopefully they'll be healthy they they rested Dante Hightower they rested Kyle Duggar uh, in the season finale and those are two extraordinarily key players for the Patriots where if they are going to beat the Bills they need to have their stars play like stars on defense uh and then just get some average consistency out of offense like this is not a game that the Patriots are going to win with 30 points it's going to be a gross game it's going to be cold there's a chance of snow uh, I believe it's going to be zero degrees outside so the Patriots are going to have to want it more be more physical than the Bills which they could be capable of uh, when you think of their offensive line and they need to not fall behind because if they have to rely on the passing game they have no shot so what you need Patriots offensive line to dominate for New England to protect the football and for the defensive playmakers to make a play or two to give an extra uh, possession to the New England offense. So they go from a hot, humid Miami to a cold, frigid Buffalo. Not the best transition weather-wise, but again, I'd rather play in the cold than the heat as evidenced by the past 20 or so years of Patriots and Miami football. Good news again, Rich. This, get, this loss sucks, but again, it's Miami. It's expected. Didn't move the needle that much on the playoff picture. New England is still in it. They are playing the Bills. It should be a good one. I'm excited for it. Uh, I don't know if you anything you want to add about as we close out the regular season, but I don't know about you, man. This has been one of the most enjoyable regular seasons I've watched in a very, very long time. The expectations were good. They weren't high. They weren't lost. Wanted to see what develops. We're thinking long-term here, multi-year rebuild. Really excited with what they did. 
They hit their ceiling, as I mentioned. Ten wins and a wild card spot, I think, is exactly where they deserve to be. And once the postseason happens, man, anything goes. So who knows what you and I will be saying this time next week when we break down the Bills-Pats game. <laughs> yeah, well, we will see. Uh, I'm excited for what the future holds here. And obviously, as you said, successful year regardless of what happens in the playoffs. Very excited about this future of the team. Uh, they are bringing back most of their band for next year. Uh, a lot of these players are on multi-year contracts. So very, very hopeful about the future. Alec, it's been fun doing the 2021 regular season with you. We're on to the playoffs. You got it, man. Sounds great. All right. Until next time, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later.